0: It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a magic marker. A, a felt pen. It's a mistake.
1: It's a drama. It's a fucking comedy. It's quiet. Maybe too quiet. It's all happening.
2: It's a good day to die.
1: It's a good day to talk about movies. Welcome back. It is a good day to talk to Hunter Livingston. I am your host, Duncan. Joining me, as always, our gardener.
0: Hey,
2: hey, how's it going?
1: And Tarin. Happy
0: New Year, or Merry Christmas. I don't know. (laughs) It's in the in-between.
1: We're enjoying the holidays. So today we have another interview where we will be joined by an independent filmmaker by the name of Hunter Livingston. Hunter recently finished a short film titled Heat Wave, which we discussed with him along with his entire filmmaking career. Hunter is an up-and-coming artist who is making some really interesting stuff. It was very interesting to talk to him about where he is in his career right now. I had a blast talking to him. He's a friend of a friend, which makes him a friend of the pod. Gardner, Taren, what about you guys? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think we had a really good conversation. Uh, I really, really enjoyed Hunter's shorts and I really, really enjoyed getting to talk to him about his journey and where he wants to go in the future. Really inspiring stuff. Really fun to like talk to somebody our age for a change. And I think you guys are, are really going to enjoy this conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A friend of the program. Uh, We'd love to have him back on as he moves through his filmmaking career. And just to repeat what the guy said, it's just nice to have a conversation with somebody that's in a different stage of their filmmaking career. It's always nice to get fresh perspectives on the industry.
1: Yeah, really fun interview. We're excited to share it with you. So here it is right now, our interview with Hunter Livingston. We are joined now by a special guest, Hunter Livingston is here with us today to talk about his new short film, Heat Wave. Hunter, thanks for being here.
3: Hey, uh, yeah, nice to join you guys today. Thanks for having me.
1: So Hunter is an independent filmmaker who has just finished his newest film, which, like I said, is called Heat Wave. Hunter is also a friend of a friend of the pod, as he knows our good friend Nyatava from high school. Yeah. That's a little tease for later on, because we are going to have a little mini-series that Natspo will be a guest on at some point in the pod. So stay tuned for that, uh, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) So just to start off the interview, we want to ask, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background in film?
3: Yeah. So I grew up in North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte, and I kind of became interested in film in middle school, high school-ish. In middle school, I was working... Um, on this YouTube channel with my neighbor. Um, We were called Get A Life Productions. And I kind of forced my neighbor to like, help me out with this little project of mine. But we would create like five to 10 ish minute shorts, all based around the horror genre, because I was really into horror when I was a young teen. But yeah, we would just like get together every week, we would it was just the two of us, we would film these short horror videos for YouTube, I would edit them. I would promote them on like Facebook and stuff. So it was really just the two of us working on this YouTube channel. And then from there into high school um, is when I started looking at the Tisch School of the Arts, which is where I went in 2015. So yeah, I think my love of filmmaking was kind of born in middle school and transitioned into going to NYU and then trying to work my way into the independent film scene up here. And yeah, I guess it's kind of a little bit of background about my interest in film. And now I'm working towards um, being in development and production and yeah. And do you do any acting as well or strictly Mm. behind the scenes? Yeah, I'm kind of strictly behind the scenes. I mean, back in the day, I loved acting and all those little YouTube things we would do because it was just the two of us. So I was like acting, I was directing them, I wrote them, I was editing them. And that was a lot of fun. And sometimes I feel like maybe I could entertain the idea of being an actor, but I think I'm most comfortable being behind the project.
2: Is there uh, any like particular kind of role that would entice you to get in front of the camera and be an actor that you like have in the back of your mind? Or is it just like situation arises, maybe I'll do it type thing?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it would probably be... It would have to be some sort of situation. I don't really see a certain role that I would ever want to play. I'm not really sure what that would look like. Um, But I do still love horror. So anything horror, like whatever that may be, I would love to be in a horror movie.
2: I mean, it's gotta be fun to get killed on screen, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. That was why I loved doing that so much. I was like, we need more fake blood. I was like, there has to be fake blood everywhere. Like, it's just so much fun. So that is something that is a role that I would want to play. Actually, somebody dying in a horror film, somebody being killed.
2: Okay, there you go, audience. If you're working (laughs) on a movie and you need somebody to get killed. call. I will
3: be there. Yeah, yeah. As long as there's (laughs) a lot of fake blood and everything.
1: You hear that, Duncan? I want to be in it. I was going to say, let's start offering other people roles before. You know, I want to be (laughs) in some roles, too. So we kind of teased Heatwave already, your new film which is not yet out at any festivals. I'm sure you're doing the, you know, the before scenes run. I don't know personally what that looks like because I've never had the pleasure of making a film, but I do know that from other directors we've talked to that that can be a longer process. Can you, though, tell us about the basics of, I know it's probably a long story, but, you know, you can go as deep into it as you want to or tell us as much as you want to about getting Heatwave in because, you know, you're obviously independent, making this on your own, and we are very intrigued by people who are able to accomplish that, so.
3: Yeah, um, Heatwave was a really long process because it started out when I was still at NYU. Um, I started writing it in 2018, in like the winter of 2018. That was my junior year at NYU. And I had originally began the script for a class called Writing the Short, um, and it was just like a semester long class, like 10, 15-ish kids. And it was just us workshopping like a short film throughout the entire semester. And that was a great class because um, we would just write and then present to the class. We'd like read it in front of everybody. And then everybody would just kind of give their thoughts and opinions. And so it was like a one semester long workshop for Heatwave as a script. So that was great having that um, opportunity to like really workshop it in its early stages. Um, So that was spring of 2018. And then I spent the summer with it, still um, workshopping it, doing everything with it. Um, And then that fall, I enrolled in my thesis film class for my senior year at NYU. Um, It's a year long class and we basically had to pitch our films. What would be our thesis film? That's kind of like what Heatwave was for me. So we spent the fall semester like prepping for the pitch, and then the final was pitching. And then the spring semester was producing and working through getting it into production. But my shoot obviously chose to do because it was like during school, and it was for our thesis, Um, but I chose to shoot it outside of school after graduation, which just made things a little bit more complicated. I shot it like five days after I graduated because Heat Wave takes place in the summer. And I was like, it has to be hot and it has to be in North Carolina. And a lot of um, students just choose to shoot like in the city or like on Long Island or wherever, just because obviously it's cheaper, it's easier to get people there and easier to house people. Um, but I was really adamant on like going back home to North Carolina and having like free reign over my house and like forcing my parents to let us shoot there. So I shot five days after graduation. My friend and I drove like a 12-foot van through Manhattan with all the equipment. And NYU, they gave us the equipment to shoot with. So that was a really big help is that we didn't need to use the budget on equipment. Most of my budget went towards like production design and crafty and basically those two things really just because it was my parents' house. So location was locked and NYU gave us the equipment. So we were able to use the money for a lot more logistical type things. But yeah, so we drove the van all the way to North Carolina with the equipment, and I flew the rest of my crew and cast, picked them up from the airport, and then we spent um, five days shooting at my parents' house. And most of the crew stayed at the house, and then I got some lodging for my actors, um, and yeah, it was just a five-day shoot in June of 2019, and it I think it it went like very... Well, we were able to wrap by like 7 p.m. every day, which I don't know how we were able to do that. We were shooting for like five days, but I guess we were, we were just really on top of the schedule and getting in and out. And it was easy because the location was also where we were staying. So it was just easy to make that transition um, from working and then just to being off. But then post-production was, um, post-production took a very long time. I started, I edited the film myself also um, and post-production began that summer. And then I didn't finish until deep into the pandemic. Maybe summer 2020 is when I wrapped up post. Um, and that was pretty, it was a simple process, but a very long one. Because I tend to overthink sometimes about my creative decisions. But yeah, overall, that was kind of the production timeline of Heat Wave.
2: And what did you do after... Wrapping on editing, how soon did you jump into getting the film onto the festival circuit and all that?
3: When was that? Yeah, I kind of finished editing summer 2020. And then almost immediately, I began looking into festivals. And there's this really great website called um, Film Freeway, which everybody uses to um submits festivals all the festivals are on there and so you can kind of create like a profile for your film just upload like your poster director statement trailer everything and then you can just like add festivals to your cart basically and then just submit so almost immediately i started looking into festivals and heatwave got into one in new york that fall um and that was a virtual screening and that was very fun to go to it won um the audience choice award um, for that virtual festival, which was very fun, very cool. And there were some um, peers of mine in that festival as well from NYU. So that was cool to see their films outside of school and everything. And then for most of 2020, a lot of festivals were still virtual and shut down and I was still sending Heat Wave out. And it screened at one of NYU's festivals that a lot of students um, submit to just because it's a lot of thesis films and we can see each other's work and everything. And that was also virtual. But this past October, I submitted it to the Charlotte Film Festival and that was very fun because that was the first one that was in person. So I got to go back to Charlotte and screen Heatwave and there it also won um, the Audience Award, which was great. So yeah, it's had a a short little film festival run, Um, but I think it's probably time to just release it since it's been such a long time.
1: That's super cool that you guys were able to win that award at two different festivals. Obviously, I didn't realize that you guys had already been in festivals, or I wouldn't have mistakenly said that before. But what do you think that says that you're not only one at one of the festivals that audiences themselves are really connecting with what you put out there?
3: Ooh, I don't even know. That's a tough question because I'm always very surprised when not that like any of my stuff is like won that many things or anything, but I'm always very surprised when something like that happens. Um, Just because I've seen so many other amazing short films and it's just always weird when yours is selected out of a group. I don't know. It doesn't feel awkward, but it definitely feels weird to be like, oh, people like what I had to do, I guess. And like people are thinking about it. But yeah, it's just very cool. It's a very cool experience.
2: Well, I think that speaks to the universality of the subject matter. I mean, everyone has had these kinds of experiences with maybe an, an overbearing parent and Mm -hmm. trouble, not only admitting to themselves, but speaking to other people about, you know, who they really are regardless of how that manifests itself. And I think that this film in particular, like deals with that masterfully.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I guess that's kind of, that was like one of my biggest goals with, writing Heat Wave was to really focus the tension on um, the mother and son dynamic. And it went through so many iterations because at one point there was the dad in the film and it was like uh, the three of them in the house. Um, And then my professor was like, the dad isn't really doing anything, so is he important? And I was like, I guess not. So I just cut him out. I just don't explain where the dad is or what he's up to just because it detracts from what the focus is but yeah I think my I really love coming of age stories and just tension between adolescents and their parents and miscommunication and misunderstanding and so that's really where I wanted to focus the story was just on these two people and how Avery the protagonist that's his name how um, he like can't come out to his mom and we bring in the element of the heat and it's oppressive and hot and sticky, and they're arguing and tensions are rising. So that's really what I wanted to focus the story on.
1: You talk about there being different iterations, and you already mentioned that it was a long workshopping process. What was the starting point for the idea that did become Heatwave when you were
3: in that workshopping class? Good question. I think one of the main inspirations behind it was that previous year two of my favorite films had just come out it was um Lady Bird directed by Greta Gerwig and Call Me By Your Name directed by Luca Guadagnino and as I was pitching Heatwave to the class I was like it's if Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name were one that was kind of the angle of the pitch just because I wanted to focus on the mother and um, child dynamic, but in like this beautiful, lush, like hot languid kind of summery energy. And I think I was writing it in the winter and I grew up in North Carolina and I'm familiar with like hot North Carolina summer. So I really think I was just inspired by summer and heat. And so many times in my house, The air conditioning has broken upstairs. For some reason, it's always upstairs that it breaks. I don't know why, but every summer it does. It's something happens to the AC and then it just breaks. And so I'm very used to being overwhelmed by the heat in my house over the summer. And so I really wanted to incorporate that somehow. I think it's really fun just playing with two characters and then forcing them into an environment that you can really utilize prop and location really well which is why like i incorporated the whole ac beeping and kind of mesh that with their conflict
1: you mentioned call me by your name and lady bird were there <laughs> any other films that you would say influenced you i was obviously i was thinking you know hot summer day i was oh, thinking yeah. do the right thing i was thinking uh spike lee mm-hmm. do the right thing so i was just wondering if there was anything else obviously just because it has parallels to other films doesn't mean that that you were you know influenced by them but I thought, you know, since you mentioned those two, I was wondering if there was anything, maybe ones that obviously didn't come out as recently as that those two did, but you could, you know,
3: anything. Also, one of my other inspirations for it was Boyhood, um, directed by Richard Linklater. It's not my favorite film, but I do really like how it presents growing up and, how your perspective changes about your parents and just that relationship. I really enjoyed that. And I feel like I really love a free flowing film that kind of lacks like the stereotypical three act structure and boyhood kind of is void of that structure. And I love how free flowing it moves. Like I just, I love that about it. And so I was really inspired by that as well.
2: I was also really impressed with the cinematography and just like sort of the aesthetic built in Heatwave and that kind of suburban lifestyle that we get a sense of like the larger suburbia mm-hmm. like, expanding like around that neighborhood, even though we don't really get mm-hmm. to see it. What was the, the cinematography process there? Like, who did you work with? What camera did you yeah. use? What did you shoot on? That kind of thing.
3: Yeah, so my friend Artemis Polemis, who I met at NYU, she shot the film and we had worked together on so many other projects during NYU so we were really familiar with each other and we had um, a little bit of a shorthand just because we worked on I was whenever she was directing something at NYU I was usually shooting for her and vice versa so we just kind of were paired like that and I really focused on creating a concise lookbook for heatwave before we shot and one of the first images that I grabbed was just sunlight coming in through blinds just because I loved the shadowing and like that gold sunlight. And I still really love how sunlight can illuminate certain spots. I am constantly taking pictures of just sunlight streaming in through windows and illuminating corners and angles. I really love angular sunlight and all the lines and shadows that come from it. So that really affected the color palette and style of Heatwave and how rigid and um, confined a lot of the framing is. But yeah, I wanted to work with oranges and reds and I made Avery's room a little bit cooler than the rest of the house. It's blue, whereas everywhere else is kind of really red and warm. And I wanted to kind of parallel that with like the water and the sun, just to like really hone in on those summer vibes and heat and coldness. So yeah, everything kind of was born from just the idea of late summer sunsets, water, just very lush kind of colors, but because of that lookbook and all those images that I pulled, that kind of impacted um, all of the cinematography and all of our framing choices as well. But I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of the stuff that we grabbed. A lot of some of the stuff wasn't intentional, and then in the edit, I was like, "Wow, this actually worked out really well." How a lot of these shots came to be, but yeah, yeah, is it was there, really great working with Artemis.
2: Is there something that particularly appeals to you about the kind of suburban lifestyle or setting or aesthetic? Because we watched short as well. And um, that mm. is, it's a very similar setting. And I noticed that, you know, the aspect yep. ratio is different. Uh, obviously there's yeah. big, there's not, you know, there's some similarities maybe here and there that you could point mm-hmm. at, but I did notice that kind of through line. So is that something that's just yeah. an area of fascination for you or is there just character?
3: I never really thought about that, but I guess I do write a lot of, suburban lifestyle type pieces. I feel like a lot of my work is influenced by a lot of my own stories. I feel like most of the things that I write, most of it is fiction, but I usually am taking some sort of aspect that I've lived in just dropping it in and expanding upon it. And a lot of those instances from growing suburbia. So I think I don't know, I guess just a lot of the stories that I want to tell are still set in suburbia and a lot of my characters find themselves stuck in these places as well. So you've mentioned Artemis and I was wondering if there was any
1: other crew members that you wanted to shout out as well as, I was wondering how big the crew was because I was wondering just how how many people you were flying down exactly
3: to North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, what was really cool about shooting actually, was that I knew a handful of people who went to um, UNC School of the Arts. And that was like another aspect that I was pitching when I was um, talking about Heatwave to my class and um, sending it to film festivals in North Carolina, because it was kind of like this collaboration between a bunch of NYU students and a bunch of um, UNC students, um, which was really exciting. So. We had um, my line producer and my production designer and a couple of other people um, were helping out from UNC. And then kind of the more closer creative team like Artemis and everybody came from NYU. And my actors also came from New York. So we flew, I think I flew only five people from um, New York. Yeah, five people from NYU and then seven, including my two actors. And then I had about four-ish people from UNC. So it was a pretty small crew. It was pretty pretty concise. It was just us in the house. And I wanted to keep it small just so we could move fast. And I really didn't focus. I didn't have like, hmm, how can I say this? I wanted just to keep the team as small as possible just so we could get the setups in and out very quickly. Just so we could stay on schedule and be in and out. And I think that worked out pretty well. But yeah, it was a small crew.
1: And I didn't know that you were the editor as well. So I guess when we do the intro to this podcast, we'll have to introduce you as writer, director, (laughs) sometimes
3: actor, editor. Is there any other hats that you wear? Not really. But I find that because I like being at like the inception of my ideas that I kind of just look at everything. I like being involved with absolutely everything, but for my next project, I'll I'll probably have a bigger team. I want to work with an editor. I've never really worked with an editor before on any of my projects. I also edited short, Um, but that's something they kind of pushed on us at NYU is to edit our own films, just so we could further just because it's like another aspect of the storytelling process, you know, they would tell us that like you write the story when you're writing it and then you're telling a different story when you're on set. And then when you're editing it, it's something else completely different. So it's like these three different phases that they were really trying to get us to learn. But now that I've edited so many of my own things, I kind of want to step back from that and collaborate with somebody.
2: I get that. I um, actually attended a UNCSA um, summer camp when I was in high school, like one of their filmmaking camps. And um, (laughs) I, I, we were all like split into different groups and everyone like wrote and directed their own short film. Uh, But of course you had to delegate different aspects of it. And uh, this guy edited my film. And I remember seeing the cut and just being so distraught because he had put in like star wipes (laughs) and all kinds Uh, of stuff. And like what was supposed to be a drama. So I've been like very addicted to editing uh, my own stuff since then. Yeah. But in the interim, I've come around like, well, if I can find like a competent editor,
3: then I'm more than
2: happy to (laughs) give the task away.
3: Right. I know. Yeah. If, um, Yeah, when I get an editor for my next project, I feel like I will still be, I'll still want to be like in the room and watching them. And just, even if I'm not saying anything, I just want to be watching everything that's happening on the timeline (laughs) and making sure it's not straying too far away from um, what I envisioned. But that's also the fun of having an editor is getting a new set of eyes on your project. And because there's a potential for scenes to be built that you don't know exist um, because somebody else is viewing it. Um, So that's what's exciting about having an editor.
2: Right. So as as you're acting as your own editor on Heatwave, I do want to ask you about the sound design, because that's Uh, something that jumped out to me from the very beginning was, you know, ostensibly, this is a student short film, but Mm -hmm. the cinematography looks very, very professional. And the sound design is so
3: crisp and clean. Thank you what did that process look like? I I need to know. Yeah. So I actually did have a sound designer. I didn't know at first that I was going to have a sound designer because I had edited it. And once I'm done with something like the whole editing process, I was like, okay, it's done. Like it's ready to go to festivals. I just want to get it out there. But then after taking a moment, I was like, I think we could really elevate this film with really crisp, just because I think a lot of the elements like lended itself to really nice, summery, suburban sounds. Um, So I had a sound designer um, at NYU and I had kind of gone in and given her a lot of the sounds that I wanted to include and a lot of things I wanted to emphasize. Like um, in scene two, when Avery and his mom are at the pool, there's like a bug that crosses the frame. And I'm so glad that the bug flew across the frame, did not expect that to happen. But in the edit, I was like, wow, that was perfect. Cause now I can have a really loud, like mosquito buzzing sound that comes like right after the mom says the line about the girlfriend or something, it happens. And I was like, that was perfect that I got that. So really it's just like a lot of sounds that I wanted to emphasize like the bugs and the water. And as he's like scraping the bottom of the pool and him in the bathroom with the sink and the air conditioning and, I feel like one of the things that I notice the most about a lot of films that I like is the sound design. And I just love when sounds are almost overemphasized and almost overly crisp and really rich. Um, So I really wanted to include a lot of sounds like that.
1: You mentioned that you're a hands-on director. I was wondering what that looks like when you're telling your actors what you want out of them. I'm I'm always curious because I haven't been on any sets. So I was wondering how you portray the feeling you're trying to get, you know, just you tell us mm-hmm. how, how you, how that, that comes across when you're dealing with your actors.
3: I think one of the most useful things before directing anything is to have a lot of rehearsal time just because for a piece like this and for like any short film or any feature or whatever it is that is being made, it's just really great when a director can have a shorthand with their actors and you can really go in and unpack what the character motivations are what they're doing in each scene where they're coming from how they're interacting what their goal is in every scene and what like their overarching goal of the entire story is i mean if it's just really useful getting at that with your actors before you get to set just because then they'll know what they should be striving for In the scene. So then, when you're there on the day, a lot of my direction is just based off the work that went in through rehearsal. Oh, what's happening outside? Hold on. You got a leaf blower out there or something. Yeah, I think it was a motorcycle. But yeah, so a lot of the work that I do on set is based off of all of that rehearsal time. Um, But then on the day, the most useful thing in directing is to not tell the actor how they should be performing but rather what they should be trying to get out of the scene and what they're trying to get out of their scene partner so a lot of my direction is just based off actions that they should do you know like a lot of my um direction with Avery would be like to evade his mom like to try to get away or to try to leave the scene and then a lot of my direction um with Alicia she played the mom a lot of it was like, try to understand Avery, try to um, get at what's like eating him, you know, and try to just try to understand him. That was kind of, that's kind of a lot of where the conflict came from also because their goals conflict with each other, you know, like she wants to connect with him and he wants to leave. Um, So that's where a lot of the tension came from.
1: Going off that, this wasn't really a film that I would see a lot of improv coming into play, but for other projects, would you be open to that? So letting your actors kind of see what they can do with the scene.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think there are, I can't, think of anything off the top of my head right now but I think there were a lot of things in Heatwave that we came up with um, just based off how scenes would play out um, when we would do different takes somebody would say something that was kind of off the script but I was like oh I like that more so just keep saying that or there were just certain takes where lines were different would come at different times and I ended up using those in the edit Um, so sometimes there were little improv moments here and there but the bulk of it was from the script but definitely in the future i would want to work more in the improv space i really love comedies but i don't think i could ever see myself directing a comedy just because i don't know if i have a good understanding about timing for that stuff but i do love improv
2: i thought the um the actors that you had in heatwave were really terrific and i wanted to ask you about them because you mentioned earlier that you brought them in from new york so was mm-hmm. the the actor who played Avery? Was he a, a classmate of yours? And where did you get the actress for the mom?
3: Yeah. So Will uh, Will played Avery, um, and Alicia played the mom. Her name is Michelle in the script. But I got both of them from. I believe I got both of them. This was back in nineteen, so it was kind of hard for me to remember. But I think I got both of them from this website called Backstage. Um, where a lot of people just cast actors from. Um, They have a really great process, but I got them through there. um, So I didn't know them prior to directing Heatwave. We had a kind of a, not a long casting process. Maybe it lasted two weeks or something. Um, But I saw a lot of people did a lot of readings, but yeah, I ended up casting both of them and, We had a couple of meetings just in coffee shops and around NYU's campus. And we would just like sit over the script and read it and try to, a lot of it was just conversation. We weren't necessarily reading the script every time, but we would just read a scene. And from that scene, we would think about the specifics of it. And it would lead to character discussions about Avery's childhood, where the dad is, what the mom does for a career. So larger conversations were born just out of like simple meetings. But yeah, it was great rehearsing with them. And we had a lot of rehearsal time because I wanted to make sure that we went through everything before we got to North Carolina, just because it was like my first big project where I was moving a lot of people to a different location. And I was kind of acting as my own producer in New York before we got to North Carolina also. Um, So there was a lot of moving pieces on my end. So I wanted to make sure that my actors knew um, what the story was before we got there, but yeah, they were great. It was really fun working with them.
2: Are there any little uh, like fun facts about the characters and their backstories or anything like that that you'd like to share with us? Or do you want to just let it speak for itself? That's totally okay too.
3: If I think of anything, maybe I will share, but I know that I have anything fun off the top of my head.
1: All right, fair enough. I had to try. (laughs) You mentioned how it was important for you or that the most important thing of the film was the relationship between the mom and Avery, which obviously comes across on screen. I was wondering, because you've also said that things like the air conditioning you took from your own life, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Was there something that made you want to, like, were you pulling from your relationship with your family there? Or was that something that you kind of were telling someone else? Like, it wasn't necessarily a story about you or that you were pulling from yourself. Maybe it was just something that you made up completely.
3: Um. Well, I think a lot of the story also came from my relationship with one of my best friends She's still my best friend, my friend Ember, but we were like best friends in high school. We were super close and she would come over to the house all the time. And everybody thought, everybody assumed we were dating. And my mom was like the biggest person who assumed that I was dating Ember because she would come over and we would, you know, we were like best friends. We were like huggy and touchy and everything. Um, But my mom didn't know I was gay at that time. And she just assumed that Ember and I were dating and she was getting really not mad, but she was... I don't know. It was like weirdly tense and I didn't want to tell her that I was gay at that time. And she was just, I don't know. A lot of it was her asking me like, are you dating Ember? Are you guys together? And I would just have to be like, no, but I'm not going to explain why. Cause I don't want to yet, but we're not. So yeah, that's kind of where Avery was born from. And then I wanted to kind of pair that tension with the heat and just make a very oppressive kind of nature for Avery where he can't really communicate with his mom even though he wants to but for himself he can't yet so that's kind of where he finds himself can
1: you talk about writing maybe because obviously you were never your mom in that situation so you don't know exactly how she was feeling so can you talk about writing the the other side of that and because she doesn't she doesn't come off as malicious or anything ever in the film right you don't no. you don't yeah. you're not like angry with her as a character. So I was wondering how you pulled yeah, off that no. dynamic because the balance is um I I think it works very well.
3: Oh thanks. Yeah, their relationship is not really like what the relationship with my mom is like. Um but I don't know. I I wanted to make sure that I was writing both of the characters from their own points of view and not make anybody out to be an antagonist um, just because I like when you can watch characters and understand where they're coming from and not like really demonize their actions just for the sake of having a villain so I just really wanted to come at it um, from that angle where we can sympathize with her we can be like annoyed with her maybe and we can be annoyed with Avery but we can still understand where they're coming from and because the mom because Michelle just seeks to understand Avery, I think that's really where we can connect with her the most, even if she is being annoying at some points, or if Avery's being annoying to her and me to each other. Sorry,
0: you anything? I mean y'all are kinda eating up my question. I know I <laughs> about the title. I, I'm i I
3: mean I was gonna have we a, don't a, ask a dumb Harm, question that doesn't really fit in.
0: in with uh where you guys have been taking this. i I mean <laughs> Go for I'm just it. curious about he, the, the stylistic decision on the title or the, I guess, the, the um, cover photo or whatever, the poster
3: for yeah. Heatwave. Yeah. So the title of the film was kind of hard, like before I get into like the poster and everything, like just naming the film was really, I feel a really difficult time. I don't know. Like it's so hard just to like summarize it into like one title. Um, I think the original title, like on all my rough drafts, I just named it Summer. I was like, it's just going to be Summer. I was like, I don't know what to name this. It's going to be so simple. It's just going to be the season. But then as it kept going through like all the drafts and everything, and I realized how much heat was playing into it. I was just like, well, the AC breaks and they're really hot. I'm just going to name it Heat Wave. And then from there, the style of the title, I think like heat is like just standing straight and wave is like italicized I think I don't know it's just a little fun motif about like oh it's normal and then it's not (laughs) Um, I don't know I was I was just messing around in um, Photoshop I was the one who also designed the poster you can say that at the beginning also I designed the poster Um, but the poster I wanted to play around with negative space and isolating frames and i was really inspired by the posters for yorgos lanthimos's films um i don't know if you guys are familiar but he directed like the lobster the favorite dog tooth and a lot of his film posters play with negative space and it's usually just like one element and then white completely surrounding it um so it really draws your eyes like right to the object that's on the poster and because Avery feels oppressed and isolated and alone I wanted to like really emphasize that and just put him in like the little box of the window in his head looking out as if he's like escaping so I wanted to really play around with that kind of style but yeah it was fun it was fun designing the poster do you have any look
1: to get into maybe some visual effects into your films maybe I don't know if you have any experience doing that that sounds like a tough looking mm. uh, or a tough nut to crack but i don't know if you are kind of maybe you tell more grounded stories that don't really need the visual effects or if that's just out of curiosity i don't know we were talking about art so i got
3: i got thinking about yeah it. back in the day when i was still making stuff for youtube all my horror stuff i was reading into uh vfx and graphics just because i wanted to have more like blood gunshots and like explosions and like knife wounds and i was like 13 so i was like this is cool i'm just gonna rip stuff from youtube and like key out the green screen and like throw it in after effects and stuff so back in the day i was really going in on like really bad graphics in my films looked terrible but i was super into it because i loved one of the films that i really loved growing up was final destination i was just super into like gore and horror and everything so i was just super into that space. But yeah, I don't know if I would really mess around with visuals like that in my films now. Maybe if I decided to do something horror, maybe. Um, But I don't really foresee myself getting into huge visual effects or anything. Um, I do tend to like more grounded stories, even though I do love a spectacle film sometimes. They can be a lot of fun.
2: Do you ever see yourself returning to horror, I mean, I know we just kind of covered this a little bit, but I, I yeah. think a marriage of horror and then kind of the aesthetic. I mean, we've uh, at least I can only speak for myself, I've only seen short and heat wave, but it has this mm-hmm. you know suburban aesthetic. The marriage of that could be a nice, like, new kind of Lynchian, yeah, you know, the Hunter Livingston yeah. type thing going
3: on, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I've always loved horror, definitely. The, I'm working on a new short film now I'm still working on the script right now but it is horror but it is also I guess it is suburban I didn't really realize that like I keep writing all these suburban films until you brought it to my attention but it's not really suburban it takes place in like a rental house and it's like isolated but it's a horror it's also two characters trapped again but I definitely want to continue stepping back into horror. And I really kind of want to pair coming of age with horror a little bit more. There's this f- film called Raw. It's a French horror film. came out in 2016 that I love. And that pairs coming of age and adolescence with horror really well. So I really kind of I want to start transitioning more back into my roots, my horror roots. Um, but pairing it with a lot of the stories that I like now.
1: So you're working on that horror. Does that mean that you, is your writing process, it sounded like you're working, you're pretty su- squared on that being your next, your next one. Does that mean that you kind of, you move on to one project next? You're not like kind of getting pulled by five different scripts at one time. Is that you're more focused oh. on
3: one? Um. Well, it's always difficult because I feel like I have a lot of film ideas every time, like all at once, everything will be happening. Like I started writing this one feature like two years ago and I fully wrote the script, but then nothing has come of that. Obviously I just wrote it and there's still so many things that need to be edited. And then last year I got another idea for another feature and I was working on an outline for that the entire past year, and that is still being workshopped. So I have so many ideas here and there. Um, but then this newest short. I started writing it about two months ago, mainly because I wanted to actually produce something and be back on set and kind of like flex my directing and craft skills again because I can still work on like my features um, when I have free time because those definitely nothing will come of those for a very long time. But yeah, I just wanted to get back in the space of being on set and being there with actors and crew and everything. So I really want to make another short and this newest short is also based off something in my life and like i'm taking props from my life and dropping it in again so it's very much the same kind of style and formula as my other short films
0: so one of the incidents of like in the story was the the jerk off Mm -hmm. scene which i feel like is (laughs) like you know it's hitting with your audiences and honestly like that's something that everybody's experienced as they're growing up at home is like how do i dodge my parents and is this like you know, and probably getting walked in on, but yeah. you did it differently than we're that I'm accustomed to seeing in movies, which is like the comedic take, the American Pie play, and you made it like a very serious right. moment and was like the driver to continue the story. I'm just curious, right? If you were planning on using that from the start, uh, you know, where whereabouts in the workshop that popped I mean, up it leads or, to you know, a very sweet moment, too.
3: at least in my yeah. Opinion. Yeah, that's actually a really good question, because that is one of the very first scenes that I knew was going to be in Heat Wave, because I knew that was going to act as kind of the bridge between the beginning of the film and where it ends up. That is kind of the moment where everything changes, and they're now they have to act a certain way after this has happened. But yeah, I knew that scene was going to be in it from the very beginning, and I knew it was going to kind of be this moment for both of the characters where they're not sure how to follow up the interaction and what comes with that is that really awkward, like scene in the morning where they're unpacking the groceries and they're kind of not really looking at each other, but yeah, I guess that's kind of, that's kind of it. It was, it was like the scene that kind of made heat wave, I think um, well, and what it was.
0: I view it as like a very, it's kind of a, vulnerable moment too for you potentially as a filmmaker to put that in and not and to use it seriously and i feel like you kind of do the same thing in short in terms of kind of grabbing the raw vulnerabilities of youth Mm -hmm. and you know your kind of maturation process and highlighting them and using them to like really focus on the story you're telling and i don't know if i have a question Um, there more so just kind of a kudos to you i think You know even you're talking about this little duo uh trapped in the in the house i'm looking forward to seeing how you use those relations to play off of each other in the horror genre if that is where you end up going next
3: yeah yeah definitely i feel like i really do tend to like vulnerable moments in film i feel like a lot of my a lot of the style that i write with and a lot of my characters you know it's not super heavily plot driven It's all mostly based around like tense moments of vulnerability and feeling and emotion. And I think a lot of my, a lot of like the locations and props just are impacted by character first rather than plot. And I feel like I do just love watching these vulnerable moments with characters that, I don't know, that are quiet. That's kind of um, what my, I guess how I write a lot of my things.
2: But it's obvious to me that character to you is like first and foremost. So I'm curious, how do you get to know these characters when you're in the writing process? Cause I know every writer has a different way. Like one way Uh I do it is that I have them each have like, I have them have like different voices and like talk to each other.
3: Oh,
2: So I'm I'm curious when you're approaching this process, as -hmm. you've said multiple times throughout the interview, like, character is very important to you, and how do these characters interact with each other given their situation? What's your approach?
3: Um, I feel like it's kind of different for everything that I write. I've noticed that whenever I get an idea for something, it'll manifest itself in a different way. Like the feature that I wrote two years ago, I just like wrote bullet points out, and then I just immediately hopped into the script and then for the feature that I started writing during COVID, it's like this one long outline written like in prose. And it's like almost kind of like a book. And that's still not a script. It's still just an outline. And then this most recent um, short, I saw a lot of the camera work first rather than the character of the dialogue. I just saw like what kind of camera moves I was going to throw in there. So I think for everything that I write. For some reason, I just have different ideas for how the project is going to begin. Um, So I don't really know what the characters are like when I first begin a project. But for the feature that I was writing during COVID, I spent a lot of time writing. I wrote, it was like a six-page Google Doc where I wrote out all of the characters and like their age, where they were born, what their parents' names are, where they went to school, what like their strengths, weakness, flaws, goals. I wrote out everything for this feature just because I was kind of writing it like a book and I have a lot of characters. So I wanted to get a well-rounded scope of everybody. For Heat Wave though, there's a lot of it I took from like growing up in North Carolina and being with my best friend and my mom. I kind of knew the characters almost immediately based off what I wanted to write. And for that, I really didn't do that much of a deep dive into their backgrounds like I was doing for this feature. I just kind of wrote them as they were. And then we discovered, um, my actors and I, we kind of discovered more of the background of the characters when we were in rehearsals and when we were on set. I just, I think for Heatwave, a lot of it came from just like the unspoken tension between the two and whatever dialogue are said here and there. Um, that's kind of how the characters were born. So I don't really have one singular process for how I write character, I guess. It's just different each time.
2: I guess to kind of continue off of a thread that you had in that answer and mm-hmm. sorry, Duncan. but as as a fellow North Carolinian, <laughs> yes. uh, I am curious about how you kind of take North Carolina with you uh, into these stories. like what what elements of like home? do you bring with you in your creative process? I mean, you went, I think you said you went and shot Heatwave in your actual home?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I shot it in the house that I grew up in. Yeah. And I really wanted to go back to North Carolina for that just because I could have like complete control over my house and I didn't need to worry about like any other location that I may be like buying that I would need to be careful with. Not that we weren't careful with my house, but you know, I'm, I'm, I was very familiar with my house cause I grew up there. So I kind of knew the angles that I wanted and the places I wanted to shoot. And I could like see it all. And I guess, cause the story was so linked to my adolescence in North Carolina, it all just lent itself really well to my house. But I think with everything else that I write, I don't know, for some reason, summer in North Carolina always sticks out in my mind with like everything, just because in New York, you know, I've only really ever lived in like North Carolina and New York for like long periods of time And New York City. So opposite of where I grew up in North Carolina. So whenever I think of home, I just really think of summer and heat and trees and the lake, Um, just like very classic suburban summer elements. So I guess when I write about suburbia in my films, it's kind of just like harking back to being home in North Carolina and growing up.
1: So as someone who's been able to get independent films made, I would like to ask you what your advice would be to someone who wants to do that. And everyone always says, just do it. Right. They always say, just get, just make it. I just hate make that it yourself. advice. Yeah.
3: It's like, that's so much easier to say than like actually do. It's so hard to do anything.
1: So how do we do it? What would, what would be the, like, what are the first steps? What, what would your advice be? You know, and if, if it's just, you know, if you need a lot of luck, you know, and and that's the answer, then I guess that's the answer. I'm looking for the hacks to the trade, you know?
3: Yeah. What I'm doing with this most recent film that I'm currently writing and what I kind of did with Heatwave is to really have a small location just like one location and like very minimal characters just I feel like a lot of people when they're first I don't know I feel like a lot of people tend to want to write things like really big and grand and bigger than they can really accomplish on a small scale but I think it's really important to maybe focus in on character and choose Uh, Just like one location, a few actors, small crew, you know, keep it on a small scale, but focus on your camera and focus on your performances you're getting from your actors. I think that's very good advice is to just keep it small and you can focus on the craft elements and really elevate those. But then again, making stuff is also really expensive. So I don't know, have good friends who want to help you out. But yeah, I think really keeping it small and focusing on the craft of it is my advice. That's what I'm trying to do. Thank you. I appreciate that answer. Yeah.
0: Can I ask about your child actors in short? Because we've talked to a couple other indie filmmakers and their experience with child actors. Uh, coincidentally, we've talked to a, a few. Obviously, those weren't your classmates or whatever when you made that because they're really young. Those would be uh, some hell advanced. Dudes. And then like, what was working with them like in terms of getting what you yeah. wanted out of that.
3: I also cast them from Backstage. and that Shout out Backstage. Was, then. Yeah. No, yeah, Backstage. It's the best. You can find a lot of cool people on Backstage. But that was a very fun experience. It was very rewarding because their parents were on set and I'm still connected with a lot of them on Facebook and their parents always comment on everything that I post. And they're like, oh, so happy to see you still making stuff. And like, but that was very fun. It was, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult with child actors. Get forget how old they were when we made that. That was back in 2017. It's just a little bit harder because even though you're a director, you kind of also in some ways have to act like a teacher just because they were maybe they were like eight or nine or something and you know they're kids so obviously they'll get distracted by inevitably something but yeah it was a really fun experience because it did kind of feel like we were developing like some sort of like class almost because they got to hang out so many times and they're still friends. I'm like, I see them, we all follow each other on Instagram still, so I still see like all of their posts and they're still liking their things. So it's like, we really developed like a little, a little uh, family almost for short and um, it was just a lot of fun. I had never worked with um, child actors before but it was a very cool experience and you kind of have to go a lot of short, actually. I think there are some takes in short that are improvised just because they would just go off script, but then they would say something that was great. And I was like, oh, we're totally keeping that in. Um, so yeah, you really never know what you're gonna get. It was a great experience.
2: Well, that kind of explains why like the dialogue felt so natural. Cause I, when I was watching it, I was like, man how did he write like such like convincing dialogue for <laughs> these eight or nine year olds?
3: I know it's, it's so hard writing dialogue for kids, just because the dialect is always changing and kids are always saying things and it will never sound naturalistic, but you know, they would kind of like spin off the script and say something similar, but they'd say it how they would say it. And I was like, that sounds way better. So I kind of was getting like the intention in the script, but then they would actually say it, how they should say it. And I was like, yep, that is what we're using.
1: So you do have some experience with uh, improv, I guess.
3: I guess, not that I go into a project knowing that I want improv. It just kind of happens, I guess.
0: You got to let the actors act, man. I know what they're doing.
1: Yeah. So again, thank you for all your answers. We do have our final question, which is the stinger for everyone, which is, do you have any other filmmakers that we and our audience should both check out? Maybe an independent filmmaker, maybe a filmmaker you know, anyone that comes to your mind you got the floor here. We love this part. This is one of our favorite segments of the whole show. So please let us know.
3: Yeah, one of my close friends from NYU, Audrey Leach, um, we, met, when did, we met my sophomore year at NYU. Um, and since then we're roommates also, we have worked on everything together, but she um, just finished a feature length documentary on Ohio Show Choir, which is very cool. Um, and she follows like four different show choirs in Ohio through their season um, and we worked I helped out with um, camera on that and that's out there she's submitting to festivals it's going through like a festival run right now um, but you should definitely check out her stuff and that was a very fun experience um, it was just at a festival in Ohio that we went to back in October and it was a big screening she did a QA and a afterwards and that was very exciting so yeah definitely check out Audrey she's very cool i'm trying to think of other i mean i don't think you can get him but i really love ari aster i don't think i don't know maybe you can you might be able to but i love hereditary and midsummer those are like two of my favorite horror films that have come out recently you should reach out to him definitely i think he'd be really cool to interview who else i don't know but you should definitely check out audrey stuff and check out her documentary Thank you.
1: We definitely will. I think it would be definitely interesting to check out a documentary for this. I don't think that we've gotten into anything along those lines yet. And that would be a fun switch up for the podcast for sure.
2: Yeah. We haven't interviewed any documentarians before. That would be really exciting. exciting. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a feature length documentary. And then um, the same year that I shot short, we also shot another one of her short films. And that one is also a narrative fiction film. So we both have kind of experience delving into these different formats of film.
1: Awesome. And don't think that we won't also be hitting up Ari Aster because I, nothing has ever stopped me from shooting my shot with the director. so far. No, yeah, you definitely so,
3: need to, because that would be super cool.
1: It's honestly, it's crazy. I would say that he's the most, so far, his movies have been the most mentioned among influences really? and, and movies that directors that we like yet yeah, hereditary and midsummer get mentioned more than any wow. other movie as as movies that people really like amongst the directors that we've interviewed so far wow. hereditary mainly
3: yeah that's very interesting I like hmm, i don't know maybe I like midsummer more but I'm always going back and forth on that but I think I might like it more I have a poster of it above my desk right now <laughs> um I love midsummer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, they, both, uh, they both blew me away. And uh, yeah. we've said this before on the podcast, but visceral is a great way to describe oh, yeah. these words. One of our favorite words yeah. on the podcast here.
3: Yep, definitely.
1: So thank you so much for all your answers. We really had a great time delving into all of your work and all of your insights into just the filmmaking process, which I think is yeah. maybe even more interesting to me than I love talking to all the directors about the, the work because I'm, I'm a fan of the work. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting talking about that but sometimes it's even better just to hear the technical aspects of it and see what it is that you're doing behind the scenes and and hear about the process. And I think you gave us some really interesting insights into your process and into what works for you sometimes and and how you kind of have different approaches. So I think it's very, very interesting. And we really do appreciate your time and and all of your answers.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. And thanks for letting me talk about Heatwave. Very fun. Very fun to be here.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again for taking the time out to come and talk to us.
0: Yeah, We loved having you on and uh, really enjoyed the two shorts we got to watch for it.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. So that was our interview with Hunter Livingston. We hope you enjoyed it. We want to thank Hunter again for coming on the pod. It was really interesting to hear from someone with his perspective.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Hunter, for coming on the show. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. Hunter, we wish you all the best. We hope to have you Back on the show again soon.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to that horror, that delve into the horror genre. Don't let us down. I know I am.
1: Yeah, awesome. I want to echo what you guys just said. Definitely, we're going to be watching him through his filmmaking career, and we'd love to have him back on in the future when he's got another project to talk about because it's always interesting. I think we got some a lineup of maybe recurring guests in the future that I'd like to see. I'd like to see a lot of the GDT guests come back. So we'll see if we once once we get uh, a little time passing and more projects coming out we'll see if we can get that happening.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed, knock on wood. We'd like to build our own community over here.
0: Our plans are built around y'all's plans. So let's go.
1: Yeah, anyone listening to this, if you want to come on the pod hit us up Make for, something. for sure. Next week we have another interview with another filmmaker. We're going to be interviewing Nils Delaire from the performing duo Future Folk. Nils was a great guest, and we really enjoyed talking to him. He has a movie called The History of Future Folk, which we talk about in detail in the interview, and that's available to watch on Netflix. So check that out before next week. That's The History of Future Folk on Netflix. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Good Pod and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's all for now, and we'll talk to you next Friday.
0: See you then,
2: folks.
1: Thanks for listening. They won't
0: be seeing me in that one.
1: But spoiler I'll be alert. listening
0: alongside you,
1: listeners. Yeah, spoiler alert, Tarn wasn't available for that interview. So it'll be just me and Gardner kicking in with Nils. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk to you on Friday. All right,
0: guys, as we get to the end of the pod and the end of the year, we'd love to know what you guys enjoyed of 2021. If you made it this far, hop on the socials and hit us with your favorite
1: movie of 2021. We'd love to know what you guys thought of the year in movies. That's at Good Pod on Twitter and GDT podcast on Facebook.